0: Following the death of Alexander the Great, the Macedonian Empire struggled to maintain control of the vast territories it had acquired during its conquest both east and westward. And during that time, a family known as the Maccabees in Israel, also the Levant, uh, chose to rise up against the empire that had controlled their land and acquired a sense of independence for some time. Now, this is relevant in our day and age after the events of this weekend with the Hamas-Israel conflict escalating once again. And the point of addressing this subject is to look at the difference between regular and irregular conflict under the lens of decentralization. It would be a false equivalency to say that every form of irregular warfare was itself immoral and every regulated version of the conflict was itself by nature a moral one. And what we are looking at in the Israel-Hamas conflict is the regular forces of Israel against the, Israel, the irregular forces of Hamas. We have a growing conflict—well, not even a growing— we have a recently escalated conflict between peoples that illuminates one of the challenges that we face in our world. It would be so simple and so easy to say that that which is regular is good and that which is irregular in its formation is bad. However, if we were to look at even our own nation's history, that of America, we would have to recognize that that itself is a false, well, it, it, that, would, that itself is not an easy proposition to hold. Because if you look at the early history of American conflict, you saw plenty of irregular warfare. The ranging, the rangers, the early version of the rangers themselves, were those who were considered irregular in their means. They were not officially, or oftentimes not officially designated as troops by the crown or by their various colonies, but rather were employed by them in order to secure the borders and secure the land. And we've seen this replicated in our modern times through companies like Blackwater and similar military, you know, private military companies or or whatever you want to call them, that have been employed by nations, nation states, governments, corporations, and so forth to establish security in an area. And I wish that... Well, I don't even wish. I, I recognize that if you're looking for some easy anger to apl- apply to this episode, then I'm probably not going to be the one serving you that attitude. But instead, we're looking at the difference between regular and irregular warfare. It's useful for understanding because when we look at a conventional war with its tanks and its uniforms and its bombers and its force lines and its you know yarn maps and so forth, we have this idea of war that has been a a European primary for a long time. And as America joined into World War One and World War II, it was introduced into that again, especially after the American Civil War. And that type of conflict, once again, looks like what we want to be normal. But if we look at the history of the world, irregular warfare is much more common. So what is regular versus irregular? You might want to change the words for regulated versus irregulated because a regular war or regulated troops are bound to a code of conduct, in some cases the Geneva Convention or in others a rules of engagement, whereas irregular warfare is not held to that account entirely by their government or by the very people who are paying them to engage in it. And so a false equivalency would be to say that the idea that Hamas is engaging in warfare against Israel is no different than the American settlers moving west, but what we're recognizing is that there are similarities, and that's not a comfortable one to bear. Regular warfare and irregular warfare tend to stand in direct correlation to how centralized or decentralized your fighting force is. If you have a regular, a centralized fighting force, you're going to have a regulated fighting force. But if you have a decentralized nation, then those who engage in conflict are going to do on a more irregular means because there is no central organization by which to regulate them. It's great to be in the American military until you have to deal with the consequences of people who have no skin in the game making the decisions about how that war will be waged. And so when we talk about these things and when we think about conflict and violence and culture and we think about the, the ways that these things are engaged, regular warfare is the easiest to describe. It's when a nation state, something like the United States, uses Congress to declare war on a foreign entity, and then they send their troops in uniform to go fight that war. They may employ special operations to engage in more subversive methods or more in more thoroughly engaging occupations like special forces, Green Berets, or ranger battalion with their direct raid influences or so long and so forth but what we're stuck dealing with here is that if we were going to talk about conflict as a as a whole we have to recognize that its scale is not uniform the more regular you get the closer you get to industrial war the closer you get to industrial in industri, the uh, industrial war the closer you get to the nuclear option and the further away you move from that the further you the, the further away you move from the nuke The closer you get to the irregular warfare and the closer or the less regulated warfare is, the more you see the kinds of atrocities that are committed against women and children. It's not so much to say that everyone who's engaged in irregular forms of warfare are going to commit war crimes and atrocities on all scales. But if we were to just diagnose it as some some simple difference between two ideas, we would be doing ourselves a disservice. And as the West, especially America, continues to move towards a decentralized view of how it should operate, whether it's states' rights or whether it's individual freedoms, we are recognizing that it is not so simple to say that we can have our cake in the form of a regular, regulated war and eat it, too, in the form of a deregulated, individualist society. And we have to choose which parts and how we're going to convey those those concepts in conflict with each other in our society. And I know that we're, we're talking about highfalutin words with long word, long terms and long terminology here, but what we're dealing with is what it means to be an individual and a thinking man in the 21st century. John Lovell has done very well with his Warrior Poet Society talking about being both warriors and poets at the same time, about men who are not only thinkers but fighters as well, and what we have to recognize as ourselves is that if we desire the 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 values of a decentralized environment we must take up those responsibilities ourselves now we want to we we certainly want to when we feel tyranny encroaching we'd rather be responsible for our own homes than some sort of amalgamous untouchable government that's supposed to keep us safe even though they're not capable of doing so and as a result we've enshrined ideas like the second amendment into our constitution But when we look at the difference between irregular and regular conflict, both on a national scale and on a localized scale, we have to deal with the moral consequences at bay. Now, this is one part, a single part of what we're talking about as the 2023 Moon's Haunted experience for fall or October of this year. And the point about it is to unveil a little bit of the mentality and thought that goes behind these things. If we want to live under a single centralized environment, we have to accept the consequences that bay. If Israel wants to have a king, it has to recognize that kings will send their children off to war. But if we want decentralized, then we have to realize that we ourselves are morally held responsible for all the things that take place within our environment, our operating AO, our a- area of operations or so forth, and that we do not get to have the cold comforts that is the universal empire. It's a fall. It's a fall day in the garage here, so please forgive me. But what we look at when we see the differences between regular and irregular conflict is that we like to think that standing armies are the norm. This idea of William Wallace charging at the head of a giant force against the oppressive English armies in the movie Braveheart is actually only a depiction of what most likely took place in that era, which was irregular conflict being waged by the scottish people against the regular armies of the english we see the same thing taking place of irregular warfare being waged by the movie the patriot another mel gibson film if you don't think we're on a trend here here you go and in the movie the patriot we see mel gibson's character which is a early depiction of an early american ranger using french and indian war tactics against the english in their own fight The regulars, the British regulars themselves, were being caught unawares against the ambushes that were being presented against them. But those things, those ideas of the ambush, the counter ambush and the was it battle drill one alpha concept have become so regular in our military that the lines have once again been blended and in the israeli hamas conflict we're seeing the regular forces of the israel of, of israel being pitted against the irregular fighters of hamas and those the one advantage of being an irregular is according to governments and their persecution or execution of justice an irregular can be allowed is or is sort of given grace to do as much as they want because their consequence is if they go too far, their government will dispose of them. So as we understand these things and as we look at these ideas of regular versus irregular warfare and centralized versus decentralized governments, we're once again forced to address this idea that is at bay. Do we make decisions as individuals or do we exist as a collective alone? We want community. We function with voluntary participation with one another. And those ideas of conflict, if being necessarily voluntarily, do tend to keep them at least a little bit smaller until we break some threshold and decide to go into near total war with one another. War itself can be a challenge in its own right by Having to deal with the moral complexities of a violent engagement. But what we are looking at and we're looking at in this conflict is the difference between regular and irregular fighting. We tend to like to call irregular conflict uh, as either freedom fighters or patriots on the one hand. And then on the other hand, they're considered terrorists and the scum of human existence. And what is it that draws the distinction between those two? Is it their ideology? Is it their belief system? Is it the fact that they are going to war? Is it that we just don't like them? This is an important challenge. And a part of this challenge, this channel, even what we do here on Redacted, is that we desire to respect the audience as best as possible by not giving you some sort of two-bit lecture on who you should be and who you shouldn't be, but rather provide material for you to think about how you understand conflict and its understanding or conflict and its complexities. And On the one hand, it's very simple. Those who fight must fight to win, and those who are not willing to fight don't really get a say in the battle. But, though, but then again, for those who are of us who are in the arena, whether it's morally and mentally in the places where we stand, or very real on front lines of conflict, it is this that we wish to encourage you, is that if you engage in the ethics of understanding why you're doing and how you're doing it, you will become better at it because you will become better at executing force at the right time. A great loss that we see from time to time in our country is that we are quickly swayed to go to war on behalf of the oppressor without being fully understanding of what is going on. And in the world that we live in, we would like to say that wars are waged conventionally, but what we come to realize time and time again is that the unconventional forces maybe even the irregular forces which go on behalf of the american empire are what make our life at home capable and as that capability declines we might ask the legitimacy of those different units or times or places and that is where we find ourselves at so this first first episode this first you know mental question in regards to regular versus irregular warfare, finally comes down to the line between jus ad bellum and jus im bello. Are we doing what is right? Is our justification for war correct? And if so, what are the just actions that one can take place in war? And as war gets closer to home, as the world continues to decentralize, we will be faced with this question time and time again. So I hope that this has been a food for thought episode and that it has brought some light to your day because I think that we are actually capable of handling these questions. I don't think you have to be a super academic to engage in them. Some of us get to or choose to by our own profession, but one thing that is worth mentioning is that we as humans are not the first people to deal with this conflict. The the uh, the Maccabees dealt with it in 300, you know, early late 200, well, It'd be early 200s B.C., <clears throat> so in the 300 and in B.C. time frame, and we saw it in early America, but we also see the conflict and the contrast of that, again, between Hamas and Israel. As the certain terrorist organization that is known as Hamas continues continue to commit atrocities against women and children, we see the challenges that the, the Israel army must deal with in their, their society. And if you go onto the Internet, I'm sure you'll hear words like Zionist and, you know, anti-Semitic and and all these other rhetoric choices. But instead of engaging in the piss-throwing match that is the Internet, I think we have the opportunity to choose how we think and use this as a time of reflection. What do we believe to be right and true and good? And one of the challenges that also contrasts this is if you look at the irregular warfare that was waged by the American troops in the last 30 years, uh, we tended to be really good at even, engaging, while, even while engaging in ir- irregular warfare to choose to follow some moral standard. Just because you don't have a clear-cut code of conduct as presented by something like the G- Geneva Convention or Rules of Engagement doesn't mean that people don't make choices on the battlefield. And in making ourselves better as peoples, we get to choose how we think about these things, and the, the, the absence or the abdication of choice in this environment sets us up for failure. And so this is an encouragement to consider what do you think to be right and true and good about the use of force in your environment, so that we will not, we will not find ourselves duped by fools to engage in somebody else's war. With that being the case, you notice that I'm wearing one of our redacted hoodies. They are out in the mail to you now. And so I hope that you have enjoyed this little bit. This is a shorter segment, one that will continue as we are undergoing a bit of a transition right now between locations. This will be one of the last garage casts that, garage casts that you see or hear from the redacted culture cast for some time as we get to return to our regularly scheduled programming. That being the case, if you want to support us, you can head over to redactedllc.com and jump in on the moon's haunted launch. We're doing it for fall. It's a bit of a cyberpunk twist on the idea of not letting those who think that they get to choose juice ad bellum being excluded from the consequences of juice in Bello. If you're going to send that nation to war, you have to bear the consequences of that decision. And we've certainly seen many people send young men off to war, knowing full well that them and their offspring will never have to deal with the consequences that is what we want to reject. As we pursue a decentralized environment, we get to choose that those who exist in that environment and make decisions get to pay the consequences and they don't get to export it onto somebody else. And that is something that we believe here is that we are all created in the image of God, imago Dei, as it is said. We bear the consequences for our own actions and we choose to live in community with one another. So... As you're listening and as you're, you're, you're joining along, we thank you for your time and for what you've been spending joining us. And if you wanna support us, please head over. And if not, then we'll talk to you soon. So that being the case, as we close, go forth and conquer.